So this is the first episode of Father-Son Preppers, and uh, my name is John. I'm a veteran. I live in Colorado. Um, I barely started prepping. If not, I'm yet to start prepping, sort of. And we're going to do this show with my dad, Tony. So go ahead and say something about yourself. Yeah, my name's Tony. I live in Utah, and I started watching prepper videos probably three years ago, and slowly started prepping, even though I'm far from where I need to be. Right. So we're kind of hoping that between the podcast and help from friends, we can figure out how to do this the right way and get it done. Yeah. Well, Mike, and my idea is kind of build a community of people so we can all help each other. Because I'm sure we'll get emails telling us how wrong we are eventually. <laughs> well, I kind of hope so. I don't, I don't want to do it wrong. So well, if we're doing something wrong or someone knows a better way of doing it, I'd like to know. Yeah. And well, actually, uh, today I wanted to talk about beginner stuff because I'm sort of in those beginning stages and there's a lot of people, you know, people who listen to this are probably way advanced. But there are some people out there that think that maybe it's a good idea and they want to start out, but they don't really know where to go. What do you think about that? Like, where would you no, start? A good idea. Uh, food is a biggie. So you think food you should... Food and water, having a little bit on hand, has got to be probably one of the first things. Well, yeah, like, like if I went and looked at my cabinet right now, I would have, between uh, my wife and I, I would probably have like two two weeks if I stretched it, you know? Because I have a couple big bags of rice and stuff like that, but... And I could probably stretch out a few months. Yeah, well, do you have... I'm trying to think of your pantry, like, in my head. I know you have a lot of uh, beans and, like, canned vegetables. Some rice. Cat food. <laughs> and I did barely started getting some of the stuff that packed away for five years, but I've got very little of it. Like, what is it? Most most of my stuff is, it's a few things of freeze-dried food. And truthfully, I've never tried this stuff, so I don't know how good it is. So it's not, are they MREs, or are they from a website? No, they're from a certain company. Cool. Yeah. Don't you have so, beans? Do you have beans, like from yeah. uh, nearby? Yep, yep. We bought a whole bunch of pinto beans. And I've got bags of rice. So, yeah, I could stretch out for a while. Nice. But the first thing I learned about prepping, though, is I bought a whole bunch of cases of food that was on sale, like canned milk. I don't use canned milk. So my milk ended up going bad. It's like four or five years old. Oh, the canned milk itself went bad, even though it was canned. Yeah, it's it's years out of date already. Yeah. Well, how do you know that it's bad? something I used. I don't know. I've still got it, just in case it was an emergency, and I had to open a can and try it. Yeah. But... Well, I know you're supposed to rotate stuff. That's the hardest part about food storage, in my opinion. So I started learning that if I had a whole bunch of stuff on the shelves, it needed to be stuff that I used every day, and then it could be turned over. Always fresh, and it was like having a little store, always in your pantry. Have an extra, you know, seven five ketchups, you know, four or five peanut butters, right. like that. 
Yeah, like could rotate. I actually eat a lot of sardines uh, work, you know, like O'Can a Day or something, so yeah. I was oh, going to do that. anybody storing sardines? They do go bad. I never thought in a million years that the sardines would go bad. But the fish almost turned to a mush. I mean, they probably might still be edible. Yeah. But they slowly disintegrate after a couple of years. I'm surprised. Well, it, what about those... Uh, I remember we had... Man, a long time ago, we you bought those like army surplus cans of pressure cooked tuna or something or salmon. What was that? Salmon, yeah. And what? How? And Go ahead. They are so far outdated, but they actually still have some taste to them. Yeah, well, I remember we opened them up and ate them on crackers, and they were fine. Yeah, and they were already years overdue. <laughs> yeah. That, so I don't really, you know, I might not recommend doing it, but I remember us doing it. It was fine. Yeah. Was it just because it was the way they packed it, or you think maybe the modern stuff just isn't packed as well? Yeah, I think the military did it well somehow. Yeah. But, yeah, if you're hungry enough, I guess anything is going to go down. Oh, yeah, I'd eat it. Even if it came back up, I'd, I don't know. If you're that hungry, <laughs> you might just eat it again. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a learning curve, even with food. <laughs> yeah, we might have to do another show on rotation and stuff like that, because I'm interested in that. I'm interested in not rotating. What I want to do is eat really well until shit hits the fan, and then I'll start eating the survival crap, because then I'll be really hungry. Yeah. Well, like that, I just think I'm going to start going to the five-year stuff. And I'll be that five-year stuff, act way like in your basement or something in a cool dry place will probably last 10 years not 5 you know 15 yeah so that's where I'm going to try to go with a good share of food at least a year's worth of food that way well do you have your food storage split up between like say the say I don't know something happens and the grocery store can't get food right because the grocery store and the trucking chain and all that that's the weak link in the food system. So do you have separate food storage for that situation versus, you know, like a forever situation where everything went to crap? No, I don't. You think that, I did, but I don't. Does that even make sense to do it that way? I'm trying to think of what you would, why you would do that. Well, a lot of stuff on the shelves now don't last that long, so... You don't want to have a whole of it on, a whole lot of it on hand, because you don't want it to go bad and waste the money. Right. So, store stuff, yeah. When the stores run out of food, if they did, you use that stuff first. You yeah. Know, use your stuff in your fridge first. You so know, have like a big freezer, then your canned stuff. Yeah. So have like an expanded pantry of stuff you like that can last you a month or, or you know, two weeks. Because I kind of live like that. I actually live, you know, an hour and a half, two hours away from a decent grocery store. So, like, when I go to the grocery store, I've got a month. When I come back, I've got about a month worth of food if I, you know, ration it. Yeah. People that live a long ways from the store are probably more prepared that way. Yeah. Well, and a lot of my neighbors have cows, so I could just go shoot their cows and eat them. Yeah. And then I could shoot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh, what I also wanted to talk about was water. Do you have water storage? 
I've got a swimming pool in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. You do have a swimming pool. It, it sounds bad, but that swimming pool full of water, it's got chlorine in it, you know, which I put more into it and boil it to drink it, but for dumping in the back of your toilet. I am way up high compared to where our sewer plant is. So I'm sorry, but the house is down low. Might get flooded with sewer. But really? Me, I'd still be able to flush my toilet just by getting gallon jugs or whatever of water and dumping it in the back of my toilet. So for a few months, you know, I don't have to go anywhere for water hmm. because of that swimming pool. And people that don't have a swimming pool have their hot water heater. Oh, that's get good. Water right? out of for so long. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's good clean water, you know. So you could hang out in your house a little bit longer before you have to go start searching for that water. But you need to know where it is and how yeah. tricky it's going to be to go get it because you got to have it. Well, here there's a ton of irrigation ditches. I'm not saying it wouldn't make you sick, but... Yeah, but a little bit of boiling or a little bit of Clorox, the untinted Clorox. I always keep that around. It only takes a few drops per gallon to purify it, you know? Right. Do you know... I'm, I'm hesitant to put a link to something like that because I don't want someone to kill themselves. Um, you know, people are just like that sometimes, but... Definitely research it. Yeah, so and people... What should they type into Google? Should they just type in, like, just scentless chlorine? Uh, water purification... You know, it was like using, a, it was like a pool Clorox, wasn't it, that you got? Yeah, no, just no. The regular Clorox you put in your laundry, as long as it's unscented, it's regular Clorox. You can use that into your water. And there's stuff know. online to find out how many drops for how many gallons. Then yeah. you just shake it up good and let it sit. And if you let it sit with the lid open, it'll vent out a lot of that chlorine smell, as well. So you don't. It doesn't smell so bad when you're drinking it. Huh. But then there's another stuff, uh, the shock that you put in your swimming pool. There's two different kinds. It's like a super strong chlorine. And one kind is more like a, more of a poison. And the other is more like the regular, a regular chlorine, but it purifies. Just a, a $15, $20 box could purify. It was like, 10,000 gallons of water Dang. that these, you know, four packets of powder. But you need to research that and get the right shock, the swimming pool shock, and write down, right on the box, how much it purifies by how much, you know, like two tablespoons, you know, would do a, a big, a giant amount of water. Like a barrel? Like a 50-gallon barrel? Yeah. 55-gallon barrel? Yeah, like a teaspoon. So the shock is really potent stuff, but it's got to be the right stuff. There's two different kinds. You've got to get the right stuff. So for 15, 20 bucks, you've got a way to purify thousands of gallons of water sitting on your shelf, you know? It's definitely something that you need to have. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I never thought about that. I guess I know that uh, I've left some water bottles. Like I, uh, when I first got my pickup, I like to take my dogs out, so I threw a pack of water bottles in the back of my truck just because they're cheap. And about maybe two weeks later, 
uh, I went to drink one. I had, and I had been giving it to my dogs in their water bowl just when we were out in the hills and there's no water. I took a drink of it. It tasted horrible. It. I don't know what the what if the plastic was breaking down or what, but it tasted just bad. It was just like chemically, and I couldn't believe it. So I heard that recently too. That yeah, I left out in the sun or whatever. That it can go bad really quick. Yeah, and I don't know. Another thing. I'm wondering if they put a if they put a liner on those things. I don't know what it is. I've heard maybe it's the sunlight that hits the plastic and maybe it degrades the plastic a little bit, but I don't know. All I know is it definitely was not. It was going to degrade just about anything. So if you're keeping anything prepped, I don't care if it's a backpack to water bottles, you better keep it out of the sun. As much as humanly possible. Yeah. The sun will eat it up and make it old in no time at all. Yeah, that does make sense. I wanted to talk about one more thing, and we're gonna do a short. We're gonna just gonna do a short one because I have no idea how to upload this to iTunes. I have no idea how to do any of this, so we're still learning. But I wanted to talk about like a weapon. I know a lot of people are focused on like guns and ammo, and I'm all about that. But in the end, I kind of want a primitive weapon. Just something I can practice with and something I can reuse a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about it, and you know, there are a lot of instances where you'd want to be quiet. So, like a crossbow, a bow, a blowgun. You know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. I don't know. And I was thinking about buying uh, just a regular bow, not a compound bow, just a regular, like either a long bow or a recurve or something. Yeah. And I looked them up, and they're like $1,000. That guy on YouTube that was doing the... What is that channel with the, with the guy from the TV show, where it's the, like the hippie guy with no shoes and then the other guy? Yeah. I think on his channel, it was... They were doing a, uh, like a master bow crafting class, and it was just... It was wood that I've never even heard of around here, so... You know, they said you couldn't do it with pine or any of that, so... I don't know. I might buy a couple... And some arrows. Well, like that, they were the one where they were using multiple sticks tied together to make the bow give it some strength. Yeah. With something like that, you're going to have to research or practice or with the wood that you have in your area. Yeah. Around here, I'm not sure what we'd even have that would actually do that if you use some kind of willow, if you find some willows. Yeah, well, my thought is that it, eventually it's going to wear out, right? And you're going to have to make a new one. Mm-hmm. So, and every time you make a new one, the tension and, uh, you know, the angle that it throws the arrow off, it's going to be different. So you're going to have to practice with every bow you, you get, you make. Oh, yeah. So I did see this uh, guy on YouTube making PVC bows and PVC crossbows. But I don't know if those would wear out or not either. You'd think that last a while. Yeah, and I don't know. I've been PVC doesn't it eventually just start bending? I don't know. Uh, you yeah, you with... could always turn your bow around and start losing it the other way. Yeah, I, I, don't I didn't know. think about that. That's a good point. Keep it out of the sun. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably last a while. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm gonna try to research some more permanent solution. Like, I wonder if I could make a blowgun, like the actual tube. Because then that changes things. I could kill little animals with a blowgun. Yeah. And maybe figure out some way to maybe take some cact- a cactus thorn 
and wrap or use like a little piece of vine and tie tie a leaf on the back. I don't know. I I've been I'm gonna research it and find out and we'll talk about it on the show again. Yeah. Well a slingshot. I thought was a good thing for small animals. But then somebody was saying that the rubber bands slowly wear out. Yeah, that's what I'm But thinking. you could buy a few sets, I would think pretty cheaply. So it would last you a while. Yeah. You know. Probably could. But one of the other topics I want to get on that I think is one of the most important, at least is for us in the desert, is fishing. We have a river. Fishing that river might be the only sustainable food source after a while. Yeah, I guess that's why most big cities started near the water, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm honestly, around me, like I have a little river nearby. Uh, it has fish. But what it has a lot of are crawdads. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, I don't know if a lot of people like eating crawdads, but when you're starving to death I don't think it matters. Yeah. It's, you'd have to at least yeah, get away from civilizational ways because people are gonna use up the animal pretty darn fast. Yeah. In a grid down situation. Yeah. And animals then Go ahead. Are going to get scarce. <laughs> you know, I thought that too. I thought, well, there's plenty of animals. And then they said, well, yeah, you got 30,000 people in a small town. 30,000 people all hunting animals, whether it be a squirrel to a deer. Those animals are going to go pretty darn fast. True, you but know? do you think that all the dead humans around is going to be awesome for, like, the coyotes and stuff and the crows? I don't know. I don't plan on being around. <laughs> yeah. Good point. <laughs> I kind of somewhere else. You know, I was think I was talking to a guy about. He was saying that deer herds are really small, and they're really mm-hmm. skittish, and they're having late, late season babies. Yeah. And they were saying it's because they lowered the, the amount of predator tags in the state, and especially on the western end of Colorado, and then they allowed they also allow are they. They raised the predator tags, and they also raised or lowered the predator tags and raised the um, lengthened the amount of deer hunting season. Mm. So basically, yeah. they're they're it's crazy. I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm not really a huge hunter. But the way they were doing it, they were basically promoting the the super kill off of the deer herds. Yeah. Well, here they put a fifty dollar bounty on coyotes, so we lost a lot of coyotes <laughs> real quick. Hmm. And I don't know if it's that or if it's just the right uh, time period because we have a lot of rabbits this year. We haven't had them for like five years. Yeah, I have no. Every time I drive back from your house, I, I literally count 40 or 50 just on the side of the road. But I hear rabbits kind of come in cycles. So, but they're they're hitting right now. And now the coyotes, a lot of the coyotes can kill off. We have a lot of rabbits. Which is good for rabbit hunting, or if you were in a survival situation, you need to go hunting. Yeah. Rabbit's pretty good. Man, you could just walk down the road with a pile of rocks, there's so many. There's just so many out, out here. But regular fish, I mean, one thing about crawdads, you cannot get them in the winter. I've tried. I've tried every way I can think of, and I'm, I'm guessing they hibernate. I don't know much about them, but... Hmm. And that's 
where there where there are lakes that ice over, like the lakes up here, they all ice over. I'm sure down yeah. south in Florida they're out year round. Yeah, I don't know. But I know there's crawdads damn near everywhere, so this is something people can really get on board and maybe even learn how to make a trap. With, know with how to make a trap or buy a couple of the small little collapsible traps and, you know, right. have them handy. Well, I mean, if you get out there and you and you get into a, like a shallow place in a river or a lake and you start flipping rocks, you're going to find them. Yeah. Unless it's a very isolated lake that's never had any people or anything like that. You're gonna find them. You can you can get a dinner in a few hours easy. Yeah. So that's something people need to remember. Unless you have a big group of people. If you have a big group, then you need a couple kids working on crawdads on a steady basis. You know. Yeah. If you're trying to feed a lot of people, that can't be your only source. You need fishermen. You need people out to crab. You need people out hunting. You know? Yeah, I just think that a big group of people is going to take... I'm against the idea of having a big group of people. I was too at first, but you start watching some of these videos and listening to people. A group, a big group of people, there's a lot of knowledge there. You have two or three people, it's hard to have all the knowledge you need to survive. Right. If you have 20, 30 people... It's easier to have that knowledge, all that knowledge to survive. But yet, now you've got to feed all those people. That's what I'm saying. I think that people are going to start going a little wacky when they don't have dinner. Especially people that aren't, you know, especially people that are really city-focused. They don't really care about the wild. They've never not had a grocery store, things like that. Well, even thinking of my own family, there's so many different types of people in our family close-knit family here, you know? Yeah. 30, 40 people. There is all kinds of different thoughts, you know? I think we should do a show just on, like, a big family structure or a big structure of people in that kind of situation. It's, it would be very difficult. Yeah. I'd like to do some thoughts and then do another show on it because I think that's a good topic. It's, it's got to be an important topic. Because I know there's some people who are going to listen to this and say... You know, they're, maybe they're alone and they're listening to this because they have no one to talk to about it. You know, maybe their wife and their kids just don't care, you know, yeah. or something like that. And then there are going to be people that are like half their families in the local militia and they're all preppers and and they have different viewpoints. Yeah. Well, we have a few and we've got the whole spectrum of people, you know. From a prepper person all the way to a city folk person that would never leave their house, no matter how bad things got, you know. And, yeah, I always think that the government or the church is going to be there to take care of them. And I don't think that would be the case in a major catastrophe. You need to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. So... And to be able to change some people's minds, yeah, it's going to be a whole other topic. <laughs> well, I think we should end the show here. I think that we did a lot, and we uh, we kind of went all over the place. The next show, I want to do like a specific topic, so we'll just have to research that. Sounds good. Plus, uh, 
I'm going to set up the website. It's going to be uh, fathersonpreppers.com. And we'll try it. By the time this is up anywhere where people can get it, that site should be up and going. So feel free to go to the site and check us out. Leave a comment. We'll have an email by next episode so you guys can drop us a line. Let us know how much you hate the episode or love it. And so, yeah, I'm John. I'm Tony.